and gentlemen, it's that time again. It's Flat Out RC podcast time, the podcast where we talk all things radio control flight. We're talking radio control planes, helis and drones. My name's Andrew Sill, coming to you from the land down under in Melbourne, Australia. As usual, still living in the same place. Sometimes I think I'd just like to live in the country. I think we all dream of living out in the countryside, nice little farm with a runway and a hangar, taxiway out to the strip, asphalt strip like paved, paved runway. Oh, it's my dream. Fly by myself, peace and quiet, perfect. Anyway, big episode coming up. We have a gentleman that's known around the traps here in Melbourne as a, a bit of a buyer and seller of aircraft, uh, Rowan Cleary member of the club that I'm a member of, and um, I'll tell you what, awesome chat. You've got to wait and hear what this guy does when it comes to buying and selling planes, and um, he dispels a lot of myths and a lot of misguided perceptions that people may have of him because um, I'll tell you what, amazing story. So stay tuned. But before we get to my chat with Rowan, let's have a look at what's happening around the traps. It's event season, ladies and gentlemen. There's lots of events happening. The big event this coming weekend is the Shepparton Mammoth uh, Fly-In. Um, let me... I should have the details in front of me, and of course I don't have them, uh, but I will have them very shortly. Uh, look, anybody that's local here in Australia, you know what this event's all about. Um, it's Australia's largest giant-scale aircraft event. Um, I'm just trying to find the damn Facebook page so I can get the details up because I know, here it is, I should know, I should know the details off by heart, uh, 16th to 17th of September, so it's this coming weekend, the 40th Mammoth Scale Fly-In, sponsored by OzStars Models, with also Model Flight RC, Scale Aero Products and the Australian Scale Association as well are involved donating prizes, awesome raffle prizes, massive amount of raffle prizes. Um, if you've got a model plane that is a biplane or a monoplane, that monoplane 80 inch and above biplane, I think it's 66 inch, I can't read it properly, my eyesight's that bad, I think it's 66 inches, uh, is your biplane minimum size. So only big stuff and scale stuff only. Do not bring a stick. Do not bring a scale sport, don't, not a scale jet, a sport jet. You can bring a scale jet. You can bring a, 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 you know, a Mustang, a Spitfire, a Piper Cub, a Cessna, you name it. Something that's a scale model only. Um, now, the best thing to do is jump online to valleyradioflyers.com.au and take a look at the, the flyer. There's also, they've got some awesome merchandise, um, T-shirts and caps. Uh, to celebrate the 40th running of this iconic event. So get on board, get get some merch, get on down. I'll, I'm going to be down. I'll probably be down here for a day, I think, at this stage because I've got a, no one's home and I've got to look after the dog. So um, so I might only be there for one day. So get on down this weekend at the Valley Radio Flyers Club in uh, Karamomis. Um, I've got some other quick ones, events that are coming up. Come try day at the Norlunga Club, 24th of September. That's fast approaching. Um, basically have a try and ask flight simulators, get the feel of the controls, fly a real model, etc. There'll be food and drinks, all that kind of jazz. Um, FBOS facilities available. Please bring a hat and sunglasses. Good advice. 
gold coin donation. So uh, tell your friends in South Australia region, might want to try flying 24th of September at the uh, Norlunga Club, uh, Norlunga Model Aero Sports Club. Those in South Australia know what I'm talking about. And uh, another one here, the Western Australian Model Aircraft Sports Centre. Another plug at the Whiteman Park in Perth. They're having a big event, a fundraising event for the uh, Royal Flying Doctor Service um, on the 1st of October. Charity fundraising event. Um, the event will be a static display of all of Andrew Hersfeld's large-scale jets, including the A330, B747, and new PC24 in the RFDS scheme, which looks awesome. I'm trying to get Andrew onto the podcast. He said he will come on, so hopefully we'll have him shortly. Um, it's a fun fly for all MAAA-registered pilots. Um, so get on down. 1st of October at the Whiteman Park Club in Perth uh, for all you Perth. And there's one other event. Oh, I do love an event. Um, I've got a message. F5J New South Wales State Championships is coming up. F5J's glider um, competition, um, electric powered, soaring. With I've got one. I'm hoping to fly it this summer. 30th of September to the 2nd of October at Armidale, New South Wales, NEMAC, AEFA, and ANSW invite you to the New South Wales State Championship for F5J. We hope this will also herald a new event that, that pits New South Wales versus Queensland. Yes! State of origin, New South Wales versus Queensland. Get on to get into it. The event will be flown from 10 on September 10 o'clock uh, on September 30th until 1 a.m. October the 2nd at the Expo Field off Moraine Road, Armadale, the same field as South Plain Expo. All five J, F5J flyers are welcome, irrespective of skill level and state of origin. International F5J's rules apply, blah, 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 whatever. Restarts and walking outside the safety box will be allowed. Oh, that's good. F5J, you're allowed a 30-second engine motor runtime. There's a 10-minute working time normally. And if you run the motor for less time and go to a less height, you get actually more points because it's they look at your elevation. So uh, so if you can run the motor for a shorter period of time, great concept. Absolutely love it. Uh, but normally they don't allow you to restart the engine, but they're allowing you to start the, re- start the engine, which is good for a safety perspective, I reckon, for the model and stuff. Scoring will via smartphone using the Glider Score app. Bingo. The entry form is available on F5J Australia Facebook page or by contacting Hutton Oddy on VHODDY at gmail.com. I think that's a VH. Um, it's very blurry, the image they sent me. Camping on the field is permitted, but you need to bring your own facilities. Arrangements will be made to supply lunches at the field. Come along and have fun in beautiful New England. So, 30th of September to the 2nd of October, New South Wales. State championships for F5J gliding. There's so many events, uh, and there's a lot more. I, there's a lot more that I saw in passing, but um, you don't want to listen to me bang on about events for so long. But um, but anyway, I will be at the Shepherd and Mammoth this week, and at some point in time, hoping to shoot a video, take some photographs, do all that kind of stuff. Not taking a plane, can't do both. That's the problem. But I enjoyed shooting the vids. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed. I'm, I'm a bit out and week out from the event at the moment. Hoping that the weather's good. It looks like it might be okay. We had a wet one last year. But bring your good models and come on down and invite your friends as well. It's a public display event, so public is allowed to get on down um, there. It's a big fundraising sort of event for the club. You know, a lot of these country clubs don't have a lot of members, so their finances aren't as strong as, say, some of our suburban clubs. So they really benefit from people, you know, going there and buying sandwiches and doing all that kind of stuff. And uh, so 
get on down. Um, support your local club, especially ones out in the country regions. They're the best place to fly. Love going to the country. My preferred option is to get out of town, head to the bush, go flying at a country club. I'd love to do it. Anyway, plenty of events. Let's keep on moving. It is guest time, my favourite part of the podcast, and I suppose it's yours as well. Uh, Rowan Cleary is the guest. Now, Rowan Cleary is known as a a bit of a buyer and seller of um, model aircraft. And he's a a fun-loving guy. Every time I've, I've been in his company, he's always got a big smile on his face and he's having the best fun at the field. So they're the kind of people that I like. And uh, so I thought I'd get him on because of all these buying and selling that he does. I know there's a backstory to it all. And you're about to hear the whole backstory and everything that's involved in doing what he does to you know, procure these model planes and then get them ready for sale, et cetera. And, you know, and all I can say is there's a lot of work involved. So let's get into my chat with the one and only Rowan Cleary. Buying and selling model aircraft. We're going to take a deep dive with a guru who knows how to buy and sell model aircraft. Rowan Cleary, thanks for joining me on the Flat Out RC podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, Rowan, we're, we're, I see you down at the field. We remember the same club as me. I've seen you driving down the freeway to go and buy planes, <laughs> <laughs> which was hilarious. Uh, but I, I don't know a lot about you. So this is going to be a fact-finding mission for me. Tell me, where did your journey in aero modeling begin? Uh, look, I think my uh, young days were a lot of hanging out with my father, who is a antique dealer. And in my younger days as a kid, you know, sort of 10, 12 years old, I was going to garage sales with him on a, on a Saturday morning. And, you know, I spent a lot of time, you know, sort of hunting out treasures and antiques with him. And that sort of got the, the juices flowing, I suppose. And then uh, my family is quite big in flying, so there's a bit of history there, which I suppose we'll, we'll probably get delve into a little bit deeper a bit later on. But um, there's always been a passion for flying in my family, so I suppose it runs in the blood. And um, yeah, one day, just I, I bought a model plane uh, at a garage sale, and that's sort of how it all started. Um, I went down to uh, to a hobby shop, uh, which we'll pretty pretty well know, Hawthorne Hobbies. Uh, I'm like. Cliff MacGyver, and um, he uh, pointed me in the direction of um, Doncaster Model Aeroplane Club. That's where I headed. uh, Yeah, Doncaster Model Aeroplane Club, which I headed headed down there with my uh, with my first little control line plane, which I bought at a garage sale for a couple of bucks, and and uh, I was helped to to get that in the air and start flying, and that sort of got me hooked. What year are we talking? Uh, I was ten years old, so probably uh, probably nineteen ninety somewhere there. Yeah. So 1989, yeah, somewhere there, yeah. Did the plane fly? It did, yeah. It was a little, uh, had a little Wenmac motor in it, a little, little stick trainer control line plane, and um, yeah, mate, I had a great time with that, and uh, that sort of fueled my interest uh, in flying. So went from there to, uh, you know, to buying a few other planes after that. So you started in control line. Yep. When did you shift over to um, RC? Well, uh, I spent a lot of time in the control line field down at, at Doncaster and my interest was always looking over to the radar control stuff. It was always, you know, peeking, walking over there, having a look, seeing what they were flying and more interested in that rather than the control line stuff. And, um, 
you know, that I came across back in the days. We used to have the thing called the Trading Post. It was didn't have any yeah. Facebook or eBay back in then. We had the Trading Post, which just came out on a Thursday morning. And uh, I found a plane in there for, I think it was about you know, 80, 80 or $90 or something like that. It was a came with a force radio control. I think a few guys remember those. Yeah. Back in the day, JR, I think it was a JR Force. Uh, came with it, and uh, it was a little trainer with a 15 engine in it, and uh, and I bought that, and uh, and that's where it all sort of started. So, who taught you how to fly? Um, I my actual uncle taught me how to fly. So my uncle is in the Lismore Club, okay. and uh, they live up in North, in North New South Wales, and uh, my cousin and uncle both up there, and he taught me how to fly on regular trips that we used to take up there on holidays as a kid. Gee, now, so he me out of I want to cover it now. You, your family has got a history in, in aviation and you, you told me a little bit of it off air, but I said save for the podcast. Tell us about the family interest in aviation because it's a good story. Yeah, so my mum is, her, her surname is Virtue. Her maiden name's Virtue. And uh, my uh, great-grandfather is a gentleman named by Keith Virtue. He was uh, born oh, early 1900s. He was a pioneer in Australian aviation. He was the first person to fly 20,000 hours in a commercial aeroplane. Uh, he flew at the Sydney opening of the Sydney Harbour Bridge with Charles Kingsford Smith and used to do the mail run in Lismore uh, in a Tiger Moth. And that's where it all sort of started. So. Uh, he was in the war. He used to fly bombers, and uh, yeah, basically that's sort of where it started. He had a his own travel company. It was called Virtues Air Travel, uh, and then it turned into New England Airways. So yeah, quite a quite an interesting history with my great grandfather. Well, I'm just looking at Wikipedia. Actually, has a page on him. There is a page. On him, Keith yes. Ellison Virtue MBE, born yep. in 1909, died 7th of February 1980. He was a pioneer avia- uh, Australian aviator. Gee. Uh, that's my great-grandfather. That's pretty good. Now, what happened after that with, with flying? Did your dad get into it or your, your, your mum? Well, it was all on my mum's side. So my yeah. brother, my mum's brother was was heavily into, he flies ultralights and he flies full-size gliders up in Lismore. Um, obviously, perfect weather up there. It's nice and balmy, lots of um, lots of thermals. So he, he does a lot of that up there and he still does it. Um, he's in the Lismore Club, as I mentioned, and my cousin is also in the Lismore Club. Um, and they fly uh, RC as well, but they're heavily into gliders. Um, and that's where that sort of side of the family, you know, I've got that interest, I suppose, from my mum's my mum's side. So, uh, And that's just where that's come from. Yeah, okay. And I've always had a plane. Like ever since I was a kid, I've always had a plane somewhere, whether it be a, a foamy or whether it's been a glider or whether it's been something. I've always had something at home. Okay, so let's go back a bit then. So you you get yep. this – the trading post was awesome. and I, I used to get it. Was. <laughs> it, it was. For those young bucks listening, the trading post was like a newspaper, but it was like eBay, Gumtree. It's Gumtree in print basically. I used to get it and you go to the radio control section or whatever and there'd always be these trainer packages. My brother bought one actually. He bought this trainer package uh, off it and with, you know people were selling out their stuff and uh, a mate of mine used to actually, he was, he'd work in his parents' um, Tats Lotto shop and he would sit in the trading post and try to build cars just out of, you know, imagining if I buy that car with these parts, I could do something. It was hours of fun. But um, okay, so you get that plane, then... 
you learn how to fly. You still going down to Doncaster? Yeah, I was a member of Doncaster for a while. Um, and then obviously, you know, as you sort of grow up, you get interested in girls and cars and all that oh, sort of stuff. And you sort of, yeah. I, I moved away from flying for a bit and, um, you know, did, and obviously got a full-time job and didn't have a lot of time. But that's that interest was always still there. So, you know, I always, when I moved out of home, I still had I still had planes in the corner of the, my bedroom. And, you know, there was always something that, was there to, to fly if I wanted to go for a weekend and, and just go for a fly somewhere, whether it be the park or whether it be at, at a club somewhere. Um, but the clubs, the club sort of disappeared for a while and I sort of got out of it for a bit, but I always had a plane at home. So uh, that's sort of what happened there. That's the usual story. Uh, I call yep. it one yep. woman and song that we get into in that's our it. Yep. younger years. And then uh, we eventually come back. When did the uh, return happen? Uh, return happened about four or five years ago, uh, properly, I think. Uh, the interest sort of sparked again. I, um, you know, I sort of, I had an opportunity to buy uh, a model airplane from a, from a gentleman. I think it was um, a scale model that I got. Uh, it was a big pits, actually. It was a one-third scale pits, and it was 50 bucks. That just popped up on Facebook, and I said sold, and and he said, look, you know, if you want to come pick it up, come and get it, and you know, I went over to the other side of town, picked it up, and he said to me, he said, oh, you know, my dad was heavily into modelling, you know, would you be interested in buying some more later on, you know, if he's interested in getting it? I said, yeah, sure, let me know what what's available. Uh, took it home, had the plane in the garage for a bit, never flew it, it was too big, didn't fit in the car, all that type of thing. And so I just put it back on the line, and I think I sold it for three or four hundred bucks. And I thought, okay, this is this is an interesting scenario that it went so quick. And um, I thought, okay, cool, maybe there's a bit of a opportunity here to sort of get back into flying, but also maybe you know buy and sell a couple of planes to sort of pay for the hobby. And that all sort of sparked from my collecting days with my dad and going to to the you know the garage sales in Campbell Market. We used to go to every week and. And uh, my dad always used to say to me, he said, you know, buy and sell things you don't want to buy to keep the things that you do want. It makes a lot of sense. All the the jigsaw puzzles now have been put together. When you said your dad was involved in antiques and you'd go out with him, I thought, oh, that's it. I I know why. So it's, I think it's, it must be a passion though of doing that, like to go out and find these stuff. It's the thrill of the hunt. It's the thrill of the hunt. Like, you know, like in my job, I mean, I'm I'm a real estate agent, so... I'm hunting all the time for houses to sell, you know, and I, and I think that that drive is there when it comes to my job. Obviously, it has to be there because I'm, I'm self, you know, I suppose I'm self-funded when it comes to, to I work on a commission basis, so I've got to go and find my own listings, I've got to find the contacts, I've got to find the clients. And I think it comes comes down to the same thing. It's, it's that thrill of getting that listing. It's the same thing. It's the thrill of finding that plane um, and finding the antiques, and I still buy and sell antiques today. Um, it's 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 the same sort of thing when you find that thing that you've been looking for, and then you think, okay, well that's pretty cool. I want to keep it, but I paid so much money for it. Well, I've got to find other things in order to pay for it. Yeah. So you know, and and obviously you know when you become older and you have a family and you've got bills and cars and houses and all that sort of stuff that you've got to pay for, you want to have that free money to be able to do your hobby, and you know the hobby side of things sort of. You know, if you, if, if you go and buy a plane from the shops brand new with the engines and planes and servos, 
it can be a pretty expensive hobby to start in. And, you know, you don't want to go and drop $2,000 and crash it on the first go. Um, and I think that was one of the things that sort of spurred this interest in, okay, well, maybe I can buy a second-hand plane and, and maybe I can see what else he has available if he wants to sell a couple of others and I can sell those and make a bit of money and, and that pays for the one I, I've just bought for myself. Well, I can attest to that because I saw it at the field once and you said, oh, yeah, I've got this whole stuff, but I'll sell all these and this is the one that I want to keep. So Correct. the sales of those will fund me having this. Correct. So, you know. Yep. But you know what? The, the thing is that, and, and you know, this will become evident, I think, as we talk, is you have to make an effort to go and do that. It sounds, sounds so it's simple. It's a massive effort. I'll, I'll just go and buy some planes and then I'll sell them and yeah. then it'll fund. But, it, but obviously there's a bit of an effort. So let's just you know, start from the start. Okay, so we know why you've got into the buying and selling. And, and it's, I don't think it's just about the finances, but it's also you enjoy it. Where do you? It's fun. Yeah. Well, I can tell when every time I see you, you got a smile. On great your face. fun. <laughs> yeah, it's great fun. I, I I really get a kick out of finding some cool stuff. Yeah. Well, and you find a lot of stuff. So where do you find it? Um, look, it comes from lots of different places. I think from from the start when I started buying and selling stuff, obviously it was a, you know, I, I have a pretty free job, so I have a lot of free time or can create a lot of free time during the day where a lot of other people get on Facebook or they get on eBay or get on these you know, Gumtree, whatever it may be, at 5 o'clock, at 6, 5.30 at night when they finish work, where for me, I've got access to that all day. you know, So I can sit there and call buyers for houses, but I can also be looking online for, to buy stuff, to, to flip, to, to make some money or, or to, to buy a collection of stuff. Um, I put a Gumtree ad up uh, wanting stuff. And, you know, I got, I got a little bit from that at the start. Um, and that sort of then spurred that, that passion on, I suppose, because, you know, I got some pretty cool calls um, when I first put that ad up. And, you know, I got some estates calling me. I had some young guys with collections from their fathers and said, look, you know, I've got a whole garage full of stuff. I don't know what to do with it all. Can you come and, and help me? Um, and I think that's what it comes down to as well. You know, there's, there's these lot of families that, I mean, we're in a pretty – interesting hobby that is look in some ways it is not as popular as it used to be or um it's it's i suppose i wouldn't call it a dying hobby but it's there's less members less younger members getting into it than there were before and it's because i suppose of the expense it's not it's not a cheap hobby to get into um but like anything these days it's expensive so i think when you when you when you build up all this stuff um you know and then it gets left to a family family member who has no idea and they're just left with a whole garage full of planes, what do they do with it all? So they search online, they get come across a gum tree ad and they find me. You know, then they give me a call and say, I've got 20 planes and engines and stuff. Can you come and have a look? You know, and that's that's sort of where it starts. And that's where it did start. And that's where I sort of thought, well, you know, if I made a couple of bucks on the first lot that I bought, well, maybe I can find some cool planes and keep some scale stuff and and then go from there. Um, and then I got a call back from that guy who I initially bought that pits off. And he said, my dad's ready to get rid of his whole collection. Are you interested in buying everything? And I said, oh, give us an idea what you got. And he just sent me some photos and he said, oh, that's just like one-tenth of it. He goes, there's a whole garage full. He goes, you're going to need a truck. So I went and hired a van and off I went to the other side of town and uh, filled a truck full of stuff. Um, and you know, like it was helping them clear it all out for the father. The father was, 
he's still alive and, and more than happy to get rid of it for the price that he put on it. Um, I didn't price it, he did, and I was more than happy to pay it. So, And then once that sort of starts, you bring it home, you clean it all up, you put it all together, and it's time-consuming. There is a lot of work that goes into it. Hmm. So it's not just a matter of, you know, putting a, putting a wing on and taking a photo and putting it online to sell it. It's finding the wing, finding the wing bolts, making sure it all goes together, making sure it's clean, making sure everything works, you know, trying to make sure that I'm providing a plane to someone that's going to fly. Because just wiping a plane over and just taking a photo of it's not always the case. You know, you you want to try and make sure that you're either A, getting the best figure you can get for it because it looks good, but also trying to make sure that whoever's buying it's going to get something that's that's going to be fairly reliable. Yeah, like when you when you just scrape the surface of of thinking about what you need to do, there is a lot of little it's parts that go into it, which which is probably the reason why a lot of people don't do it. But um, but as I said, you, you know, the the passion obviously is sitting there to do it. So okay, so you get these planes home, you got to go and you know check them all out. The ones that are no good, what do you do? Throw them in the bin or? No, look, you know, there's always people there who want parts. You know, there's always people who wants an airframe. There's always people who want an engine or, you know, or a wing or something, you know. So it's – it's, but it's not just that. It's hiring the van. Then you've got to go and take mm-hmm. the van back. Then you've got to drive your car back. And then you've got to – you know, you've got a whole garage full of planes. And mind you, I only have a certain amount of time off during the week. So I've got a limited time to, to get these sorted, you know. So – you know, I spent a lot of time and effort putting them all together, making sure they look good, making sure that I try and pull batteries out because a lot of them are the old. Um, you know, trying testing servos, making sure engines aren't gummed up. If they are, I try and clean them and, and fix them so that they're not. And just try and sort of provide the best secondhand plane for someone and, and at a reasonable figure because, you know, a lot of the stuff is scale, it's gas, it's it's big stuff that's thousands and thousands of dollars worth new. And I'm offering it for, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, whatever it's going to be. Yeah, oh, that's one thing that I've noticed. I don't think I've seen any of your ads online for you know model that you're selling or anything where it's been overpriced. It's always been yeah, pretty good to go. value. Yeah. yeah, you know, like I sold a third scale Sequoia the other week for 750 bucks with a gas engine, an 80cc gas engine. Yeah. I mean, where do you get a HD design, full custom plane, you know, beautiful scale model for 750 bucks? You just can't get them. Uh, and, and that's the thing, I suppose. You're trying to, to get them back out into the modeling guys as well that are going to fly them. Yeah. Um, because a lot of this stuff just goes into hibernation, gets covered in dust and dirt, and you'll never see it again. Yeah, it's true. And, and families just don't know what to do. They 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 are either going to trash them, they're going to throw them out, they're going to donate them, whatever, whatever it's going to be. They just disappear. So if there's someone like me who's willing to do the do the hours and do the car time and do the cleaning and putting them all together, um, and then putting them back out to people who are interested in buying them, well, that's I suppose a, 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 I enjoy it. You know, so that's part of the hunt, I guess. You know. And in all your your travels out there, getting models and stuff, you know, what's the most popular? Is there a popular model that you you know you go, oh, not another one of these that I, uh, I've got in the garage or not? Um, look, I've had a lot of pit specials <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, I've had them from third scale scratch built to um, you know quarter scale. I've had heaps of quarter scale pit specials. I've probably had about ten or fifteen of them over the years. 
um, at least. Um, and they've been anything from, you know, 40 size nitros to, you know, 80cc monsters. Um, and I think you sort of look at that sort of stuff and, I mean, look, you can't, the stuff that you find, I mean, I bought a scratch built one there. It was my lockdown project, which is a beautiful thing. And that's hanging up in a private museum in Geelong. Oh, yeah. You know, so a lot of this stuff doesn't just go to people who fly them. It goes to people's man caves. It goes to museums. It goes all over the place. Um, it's gone to David Gall up in Queensland. He's he's bought some some beautiful scale stuff off me that you know one of his friends had built who'd passed away. He was trying to find a couple of missing pieces of his collection. For some reason, I came across them. Yeah. You know, so 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 this they're going back to people who show interest and have a passion in them. I think that's the main thing. Yeah, it's a good point. It's good for the environment. You're recycling as well, <laughs> mate. Hundred percent. If it's uh, you know, if, if it's a, if it's an interest to someone, why not? You know, the other day, get get them back out. It's true. It's like a lot of these models are still well and truly flyable. You know, they might be twenty years old, but there's they'll still fly. There's some amazing stuff in garages. I mean, I've been to some garages, and you just look at this stuff, and it's just like wow. Where, where has this stuff been hiding? Mm. Um, you know, I went to a garage recently, probably a 10-car garage, and stuff, I was taking stuff off shelves with two inches of dust. You couldn't even see the colour of the wings. You know, and this stuff's underneath mint, perfect condition. But unless you spend the time, you know, I spent probably a week just cleaning 30, 40 models, yeah. probably spent a week and 50 bucks worth of racks, <laughs> you know, lots of, uh, lots of spray bottles of uh, dish soap trying to clean stuff. Yeah. Um, to get these beautiful scale planes back in back into circulation, um, you know, and I hired a van to go and get them all. That's I think the day I saw you. It was hilarious. I'm sitting there going, <laughs> "That's Rowan." And I, I don't know. I think I gestured to you, and you went, "Planes." I've gone. Of course, you're going there. <laughs> Pick up planes. Oh, that's a classic. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so what's the best haul you've ever had? Um, probably the best haul I ever had was that gentleman I first got that pitch from. He he rang me back and said, you know, Dad's willing to sell his collection. He was a gentleman from the other side of town, uh, from sort of the, the western suburbs. Uh, he was he- heavily into scale models um, and a lot of them were scratch built. And he rang me and said, you know, come and get all these planes. I want $2,000 for everything. Mm. And I was like, Okay, cool. That sounds good to me. And he goes, you're going to need a truck. So I went hired a van, high top van, and went out to the other side of town and picked up probably 35, 35 to 40 scale models. And I think the smallest was, you know, probably fifth scale. Um, and majority of them are quarter scale stuff, gas planes, you know, mm-hmm. DLE engines, you know, beautiful stuff. And in, in, in the mix was, you know, we're talking Spitfires and Mustangs and, and stuff that's brand, literally brand new, never flown, air retracts, the works. And there was probably at least, you know, out of the 35 to 40, it was probably 20 of them that had, were, were gas, yeah. uh, ready to fly, big stuff, you know, beautiful, beautiful things that just were never gotten around to. He, he unfortunately got cancer mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it just it just couldn't make it to the club anymore. And, you know, son just said, mate, you, you seem, you know, you looked after dad liked you when you first came picked up the pits. You had an interest and, you know, wanted, wanted you to come back and wanted you to have them. And, you know, uh, and I said to the son, I said, look, you, you, you realise I'm going to sell some of these. He goes, mate, once they're yours, you can do what you want. Yeah. 
and, and, I, and, I, and I sort of feel bad sometimes because you sort of look at it and think, you know, like, I mean, he priced it and I just agreed. But, you know, I put, and then he befriended me on Facebook. I'm thinking, oh, that's the worst thing you want to do because you sort of feel he's going to see every ad that I put up. Yeah. And, and one plane I think I put up was two grand, you know, what I paid for the whole whole lot. And I thought, oh, and it was a, I think it was a, a quarter scale scratch built Spitfire uh, with a DLE 55. And I thought, oh, God, he's going to see this and he's going to, and I just said, look, I'm, I'm selling it. And he goes, mate, do what you want. And he goes, they're all yours. You, I'm happy. We're happy. And, um, and, and, and he was wrapped. He just wanted them to go to someone that was going to you know, either put them back out to other people. Um, but he didn't want to deal with 50 people coming to the house. That, a lot of people are like that, though. Like a, a mate of mine gave me uh, a, a T-Rex 550 helicopter that had yep. that had been test flown. It was like brand new and a transmitter. He just gave it to me. And I said, yep. no, I'm going to pay for it. And he goes, no, no, I don't want anything. He said, I just can't be bothered dealing with people to come here and buy it and haggle and blah, 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 whatever. I'd rather just give it away. And I went, okay, thank you. Um, but the... It's like that that show on television, the American Pickers, where they go to people's places and they buy stuff. But yep. you've got to go and make the effort. Like if that gentleman had to go and sell everything, he'd be gone for months in cleaning Correct. it up and then whatever. So you're, you're providing a service and saying, "Let me take the lot off your hands. I'll sort it all out, and I'll, you know, if I make some money out of it, that's okay." So, and, and I think there's also people who like there was another gentleman who who put it out on on Facebook and he was in sale. So it wasn't around the corner. And he put some jets up and he had, I think he had 2,800 bucks on the whole lot. And I said, mate, and a couple of people tagged me in it straight away. And I messaged him straight back and I said, mate, is this what else you got? And he said, no, that's it. And I said, cool, sold. And I just paid him the price. And he said, because you didn't haggle, he goes, there's 25 more planes. Uh-huh. And he goes, I didn't tell anyone else. He goes, but you can have everything. And same thing again, hide a van. It was a whole day. Hide it, left it at eight o'clock in the morning, drove for sale, filled the van, came back, you know, and and it's it was a long day, you know, but there was two two turbine jets in that lot as well. Um plus thirty five other planes, you know. But he just said the first person who wasn't gonna haggle with me got everything else. So, you know. Do you know what when you go and visit these people? How long are you there, and how long how long do they sort of tell you about their life story in aero modelling? Um, a lot of them are sort of just had enough. Like, you know, a lot of them, like while I'm trying to sort of clean out their sh- their their whole life of modelling, mm. you try and have that conversation because it's a pretty tough thing. You know, I mean, you're taking tens and twenties and thirty thousand dollars worth of stuff that they've purchased over 20, 30 years out of their life. You know, so it's not an easy thing. Um, so you sort of got you got to have a bit of you know, dignity for a lot of these people and say, look, you know, I appreciate what you're doing and I appreciate the, the opportunity to buy all this stuff. Um, and you, you just got to be nice. It's like my job. It's the same thing as selling a house. If I'm going into a deceased estate, selling a house, you know, these people have been through hell and back, you know, they've just lost a family member and you've just got to be, you've just got to be polite. You've got to be nice. You've got to be appreciative, you know, and I think that's probably the biggest thing when it comes to going to an estate when it co- when it comes to planes or whether it's going to an old fella who can't see anymore and, and loves the hobby still but just can't see the planes. You know, a, lot of, a lot of the guys that I buy stuff from, it's due to health reasons, a lot of it. They still want to fly, but they just can't. Well, that's true. I think, you know, if we're all fortunate enough to live long enough, we'll probably get to that point where uh, 
Yeah. Like I'm, I'm turning 50 and I'm going, my eyesight's it's okay when I've got my glasses on. <laughs> but I'm like, things aren't as clear as what they used to be. <laughs> yep. So one day I'll go, no, nah, it's just too – I can't see them anymore. But um, it, it just happens. But you know what's interesting as you talk? I, I do a lot of work with um, sales teams and sales guys yep. and girls and all that kind of stuff. And you sound like you – know, I always say – people think that working in sales is a dirty word. And I'm, I don't yep. think that at all because I, I always think that selling is about fulfilling a role in society, a service to people, and, and that's what you do. And yep. if anybody works in sales, listen to this. Listen to Rowan because he makes – perfect sense as to how salespeople should operate you go in there with empathy you're helping them yes you're going to make some money out of it yourself but you're actually helping people and yep. that's a good way to grow sales is just help people yeah and and that's and that's really what it comes down to i mean people will call and say i need you know i need i've got all this stuff it's got to go what, what do i do yeah. um, and and sometimes i can't help them or i can't take everything i mean a guy rang me before Christmas and said, I've got 128 planes. <laughs> and I just said, mate, I can't, I, can't, I can't do it. There's too many. Like there was way too many. But I gave him some advice. I told him what to do. And sometimes you just can't do it. Like it's just it's just not physically or, you know, monetary-wise possible to do. I mean, there's, there's collections I've knocked back because, I, A, I just don't have enough money to buy it all, or, B, it's just too much work. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you have to knock it back because it's just it's just too much stuff. Um, but you can advise, you can give them advice to say, listen, this is what I would recommend because they just want help. That's all they want. And there's no one else to ask. Who, who do they ask? Yeah, I think like it's a mate of mine that owns a lot of aeroplanes and I keep on saying, you better start getting rid of them because you've got more aeroplanes there than the amount of years you're going to live. And um, he goes, oh, no, my daughters are going to have them. I'm like, your daughters ain't going to know what to do. They're going to ring no, me up and say, for five bucks each. yeah, yeah, they'll be sitting there flogging them off for nothing because, you know, he sees value in them, but they don't. They go, what? It's just a toy airplane as far as they're concerned. Right. Um, I've told him that I have to become his carer and should be written into his will so I can get some of his models. But um, <laughs> just, you know, the model of the stories, if you're getting older, don't replace the crash ones. Just keep on flying the ones that you got on the shelf. Yeah, <laughs> correct. Yeah. Just keep, just, just fly them. Fly them if you stack them. Big deal. You know, yeah. move on to the next one. There's so many guys with shelves full of stuff yeah. that hasn't seen air for 20 years. Bring them off the shelf, dust them off, fuel them up and fly them. Um, because yeah, they're just they're just being hidden away, and you know no one's seen this stuff for twenty years. But there's beautiful stuff out there, like ridiculously good planes that that have just haven't been out for out of the shed for twenty years. Yeah. Now, okay, you said earlier that you your dad taught you. You know, you, you buy a whole bunch of stuff, yep. and, you, and then you you know basically you sell the stuff to fund the stuff that you want to keep. What are you keeping? What models have you got? Uh, what have I got? Um, I've got a one-third decathlon. Ooh. I've got a, um, I've got a cassette racer to re to replace the the one I um, which met its demise recently. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go there. Um, <laughs> uh, I've got a few old timers. I've got a hog biplane. Um, what else have I got? I've got a Voltaire, just a Hobby King Voltaire sort of 3D thing. 
I've got an ultimate biplane with a DLE uh, 20 with smoke. Um, I've got a Tiger Moth. Um, I've got a couple. Of, I've got a Quickie 500 pylon racer, which I like to scream around with. Um, yeah, that's sort of what I got in the garage at the moment. But that will that they get replaced <laughs> after a while. Do you have a certain category of models that you like? Uh, I like to go fast, <laughs> and I like to I, I like to go fast and low. Um, I'm not particularly into aerobatics. I'm not particularly into you know doing you know just boring circuits either. I, I, I'm not really you know I do like just to you know muck around with like something different as well. So um, you've probably seen me at the club with Iron Man that I put together, which <laughs> I think quite a few people saw. Uh, I like to fly stuff that's different, you know, stuff that people – I mean, everyone's got an edge, everyone's got an extra, everyone's got all this expensive, you know, iMac, you know, sort of stuff that they're bringing weekly. It's the same stuff. Mm. So I want to be someone who brings something that's just a bit different and, and have a laugh, you know. If it's if it's an old-timer that's got a 15 nitro in it and it's, you know, it's got no throttle in it but it's got an elevator and a rudder and it's, you know, you've got to push it straight into the wind otherwise it'll go bank and crash. That's the sort of stuff I like just to have a bit of fun with. Um, you know, I've got paragliders and uh, electric para- paragliders which are pretty cool. Um, I've had a uh, that big third scale ultralight thing from Hobby King that was yeah. a bit of fun. You know, just, just stuff that's not the norm and I think if you can have some fun with the hobby, why not? You know, if I'm buying stuff and I'm getting a group lot of, of planes and I get something like that and it doesn't cost me much, why not have some fun with it? Like, yeah. you know, if, if, you can, if you can get a Tiger Moth and have a bit of a laugh and, you know, do some low passes and, you know, sort of try and fly into heavy winds and try and fight backwards and just do stuff that people just don't do anymore. And I was talking to a few blokes at, at the club the other week and, you know, no one does streamer cuts anymore or combat. No one does it anymore. It's It's become... It's become very precious. I think our our flying. No one wants to crash anything or damage anything. It's like, well, surely some everyone at home's got a plane that they can put a streamer on and have a bit of a fun afternoon. I'm sure if it was mentioned at a club meeting that we're going to have a, a combat afternoon, everyone's got something that they could wouldn't care about. That's that's the sort of flying that I miss because that's the stuff we used to do at Doncaster way back in the day. Uh, and we used to do it at, at the Lismore Club when I went up there. It was just stuff that they always did, you know, the limbo and all, all the things that clubs are sort of forgotten to do nowadays. It's a, you're right because I, I'm thinking about like as you were talking, I was thinking about instances where I've seen people do limbo and whatever. Like we did it, we used to fly indoor down in Donvale or something at, and um, a friend of mine was was there and he set up like, you know, those retractable um, barriers that they, they to create queues and like you see at the airport, there was one of those in the center, and he pulled it out and set it up like a limbo, and without saying anything, he just started doing loops because it's not a lot of room. He's doing loops, trying to go under the limbo. There are probably another ten planes in the air because when you fly indoor, you got heaps of planes that fly at the same time, and for that five minute period, it was mayhem, but it was the best mayhem you've ever seen in your life because everybody was trying to do it and there were planes whacking into the poles and you name it, but it, everybody had a smile on their face. And it's that kind and of that's stuff the, that's that you the want. stuff we miss. Yeah, you you miss, we don't do it anymore because I think 
everyone's got this stuff that they bring, which is fine. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm, I'm not saying don't have the nice stuff. I've got nice stuff that I would never do stuff with like that. But there should be more of that, those sorts of days. Yes, I know everyone's a bit more precious these days. There's more rules and, you know, we've got Casa looking over our shoulders. I, I get all that stuff. Casa's not looking but, over our shoulders though, Rowan. Whoever tells you that Casa's looking over our shoulders. Well, that's good. Hopefully they're not. But, you know, hope, hopefully we can bring back some of these days. You know, I, I think I think these sorts, of, these sorts of fun events need to be brought back because I think that will then bring back younger people to have a bit more fun instead of just watching – Five thousand dollar model planes fly up and down the strip, and and I, and I think that's what the hobby's missing again. It's 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 missing that that fun factor. I have seen um one of our fellow uh, club members, young guy Belint, and he um, yep. Belint will get out there and he will um he had this I don't know where he picked it up from some little tiny foamy, and it did not fly well. He said, "Come and have a fly." <laughs> And he flies mode two like me anyway. So he handed the transmitter to me. I said, this is all over the place. He goes, watch this. Flicks a switch, puts the gyro on. I go, well, that's a bit better, but it's still not great. Anyway, he's gone, how much fun is it though? And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm fighting it all the time. And when he got it, he was just zooming around the sky. And he goes, oh, that's awesome. And, and then the next minute he's got his iMac playing out and he's doing an iMac sequence. But some, some of the young guys are good at doing that. He's just Some of the best flying experiences I've had is being out on a flight line with somebody else and just yep. talking to each other, whether it was Belint down at the um, Blue Rock Dam at the um, the Ball Club flying circuits with our our um, float planes, or um, uh, Echuca, um, you know, me and another guy flying at the same time, and he's hovering his plane. I'm going, stay there. I'll do loops around you. So where you start to interact <laughs> with the uh, with the other people that are flying, yeah. like these are the memories that I can can recall straight off, off off the top of my head because that was so much fun. But, yeah, that's that, – so there's a little note. On my, on my honeymoon, I bought a B – you know those B glider wings? You know, they were called the yeah, Bs. Yeah. They, were called. they were just foam wings with tape. On my honeymoon in um, – uh, where was it? We were up in Malulaba. There was a point that everyone – I just walked up there with my wife one night and there was all these bee wings flying around. I'm like, oh my god, this is so cool. Yeah. So I went and bought one at the local hobby shop for like 90 bucks. I bought a two channel radio and I put it together that night. And I was up there the following <laughs> night. But that was that was I was up there literally every night. But the fact that these guys were banging into each other, yeah. you know, and just didn't care. I thought, you know what? That's that's the fun stuff. That's the stuff you remember. Yeah. Um, and that and I think we need to get back to a lot of that stuff in our clubs just to get the young people. You know, having a laugh and, and even to get the old fellas back in it because I love it. Yeah. And you know what? I don't know of anybody who got hurt from someone having a combat session. No one. Yeah. Ever. They do do it. And, you know, some of the Gippsland clubs. get hurt, that's about it. Yeah. The Gippsland club, Sale and Bairnsdale, they've run um, – the, down at Sale, they were making like these foamy kits for people yep. to, to buy, like cheap little things. Um, they were making the design themselves just for combat purposes, and and people didn't care, and so they would, you know, just buy another one because they were cheap as chips, and and you know just replace, you know, swap the gear out, and off you go. And the young guys loved it, and the young ones are always the one to beat because they were sort of yeah. They had the race. I, I think it's the next suggestion at our uh, for our, for our next uh, club event. <laughs> That's a good idea. It's a good idea. I think you know, encouraging. Hopefully, there's people, some people listening who um who might be able to help me. 
Yeah, well, any, there's lots of people listening, you know, but it, the sentiment is there that we've got to bring fun back to the field, right? Let's not get back. lost in rules and regulations. Yes, we've got to be safe, but combat flying with a little foamy or something like that ain't going to harm anyone. Any, any, anything, anything, whatever it is. I think if, if you can afford to to bin it, I think why not bring it down, have some fun, put a stream on it and off you go. Well, we did the, um, down at our club, we uh, we did the, um, the stole event a number of years ago. And Remember that, was that. that was phenomenal. Good. We had a great turnout. Great it was perfect weather, and and you know it was a challenging kind of thing. So I think people, you know, yeah, you, I think you're right. I think you really you've touched on a good point there. Um, yeah. But yeah, not with your great planes and your big your big uh, no. big giant scale stuff. Well, that's a different kettle of fish. But well, if anyone wants something that's you know a bit of a junk, I don't know where to come. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's Probably right. got a few here somewhere. Actually, before I forget, like most of your stuff is sold via what by via, via Facebook. Yeah, look, I, I, I depends what it is. So it comes down to a number of things. Like, you know, I, I don't just sell planes. There's engines. There's collectible stuff as well. So for me, I, I get a lot of vintage engines. I've bought nine-cylinder radial, scratch-built stuff. And I think it comes down to as well keeping contacts with people who buy certain things. And that's another thing. A lot of the stuff I sell, you don't even see. You never even see it pop up online because it goes with one phone call. Yeah. Um, and that's the same with real estate, you know, like if I, if I list a house and I've got the perfect buy for it, I'll just make a phone call. And it's the same when it comes to planes, you know, I've got guys that just buy collectible engines. I've got guys that buy diesel engines and I keep them in the phone, make a phone call and it's sold. Um, you know, I think that's a big part of what I do as well. Um, you know, there's guys that buy stuff for hanging up in their garage. I've got a guy at the moment who contacted me through Facebook who said, mate, I see you sell a bit of stuff. I need six big planes to hang up in my garage. Yeah. And he's now got six planes sitting here waiting for him to come and collect uh, that he's purchased off me in the last sort of month and a half. Um, and, I, and I sort of went out specifically looking for him because he had a budget and he wanted to work with it. So I took some photos, found some stuff for him, made sure it was what he wanted, and he's been buying you know, planes off me. Um, so it, it comes down to connections and people you meet and what they want and, you know, having those people available. If my wife let me, I'd hang planes up. I think some of them look like work of art. Yeah. Mate, in the garage, they look amazing. Uh, I've got mates who collect Porsches and Ferraris and all sorts of stuff, and they've got in their garages, they've all got planes from me, um, big scale stuff hanging over their Porsches or you know, whatever it may be in their garages or they've got petrol bowsers in the corner and they've got a plane hanging above it. And it just looks cool, you know. Like that's what – I mean, if you used to go into Dutton's years ago, yeah, that's what they've got hanging up. There's heaps of them in there because it looks cool. So a lot of my stuff goes to guys like that as well, heaps of it. I'd like something in my bathroom, in the bedroom. It would be great. <laughs> I don't know how the bedroom would go down. but anyway. <laughs> there, was a, there was a model years ago um, that um, was being sold by a guy down at um, Sailway. Uh, it was a glider that he'd built, that he'd scratch built from a – well, he wasn't scratch built. He built from a kit kind of thing, short kit or something. And I just said to him, it just looks like a work of art. I, I wouldn't necessarily want to fly this thing. But I tell you what, if it was hanging up in a in a living room or something like that, it is beautiful to look at, you know. And it was a as an antique kind of glider, kind of style, you know, open cockpit kind of kind of thing. And I still think it was just a, a beautiful. I think he's kept it. He might be hanging up in his hangar, Rowdy Matthews. But um, yeah. But uh, 
I do love slimming. There's a lot of that stuff sold as artwork. It's like engines. Like if you get a beautiful engine and you put it on a stand and you put a big wooden propeller on it, they look amazing. You know, you put you put it on a sideboard in the middle of a sideboard in your dining room or something. They can look they can look really really nice. So you know, there's there's heaps of blokes with plenty of money out there that are willing to have that sort of stuff in their houses. Well, I think there's also because of the demographic of our hobby, right? We're we're an aging demographic. That's yep. the facts are, are there. Um, but there's people like myself that you know we look back at models that we couldn't afford when we were kids, but now we might be able to pick one up secondhand. Like if you come across a Southern Sailplanes Ricochet or something like that. You know who to come to. You're going to come to me. I've had plenty of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I love the look <laughs> Actually, of them. I think I'm staring at one on the wall at the moment. Oh, cool. Awesome. Send it through. But, I think there's one here. Yeah, but I love, you know, those kind of models is the models that was my childhood that people were buying and you went, oh, imagine if I could afford to get one of those. And to me, having I, I did pick one up that's in, oh, it's not in great condition and I paid like a mate 80 bucks for it or something and I went, this is awesome. And I took it home and I put the wings on it. And I said to my wife, have a look at this. Look at how good it is. And she went, yep, just another plane. I'm going, no, it's not. I said, take a photo of me with it. <laughs> like this is, the, this is the model that I wanted when I was a child and I never could find one. I couldn't afford it, you know, kind of thing. But um, Yeah. And so I think there's, there's a lot of that if you're picking up older stuff. There's a lot of people that would be happy to have um, some of these models. And even, even like, um, you know, I go down to Bansdale to some of their events and – um, they'll have like a warbird day, and I don't have a warbird. But if a warbird came up at a reasonable price, just go and buy it. And then if you after the event, if you don't want it, just go and flog it off to somebody else, I suppose. You know, so you know exactly and exactly that. You know, I've bought stuff purely for an event. You know, like you know, I've bought some beautiful things, and you sort of think, okay, well, there's an event coming up. Maybe I should fly it at that event, or I should at least bring it along yeah. because then people can have a look at it and. And sort of admire something that hasn't been seen for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And then they go, oh, I remember the bloke who who built that, and or I remember where that came from, or or you know, like, and it's it brings back memories for people. And this, unless I'm bringing it out, it's all it's sitting sitting hidden hidden away, and 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 watching. It's not as if we're the only generation that's mad into model airplanes, and you know, people ever ever since people got into aero modeling. You know, men's men in sheds amassing lots of model aeroplanes. It's like it goes part parcel with being involved in the hobby and being keen on it. Is you're not going to own one model, you're going to have heaps. And yeah, um, yeah. So okay, so it makes it's all making a lot of sense. Um, it, what about those models that are sort of well, you you sort of cover that. You know, the models that aren't beyond repair, someone will still grab it and try to do their best. I suppose one hundred percent. And they and you make them, you make them. In, like if someone will come here and buy a plane off me, and especially if it's someone who's interested in in buying things that are like a project, like you know, I'm sitting here next to a hog a hog bite, which is part built, uh, it's been beautifully made, you know, and it's ready to put covering on and put some servos in it and put an engine in it. I mean, you know, for 150 bucks, where do you get a scratch or a kit built? From, and it's a SIG kit as well. It's you know, it's not not a cheap kit. You know, where do you get a biplane that is as good looking as something like that for that sort of money? You just can't get them. And and when you you you, you meet someone that comes here and they say, oh, they see that, they go, oh, I remember those. Yeah. No, you can't get them. You can't get them anymore. Well, well you can. They're, they're around, 
they're just in yeah. someone's garage under their underneath their workbench and they've never got to it or they've never finished it or you know so if i'm buying a collection of stuff and you're bringing that stuff back out it sparks people's memories and and that's where they get excited again because they come here and they buy they don't just buy one they buy two or three or you know, they, sometimes they feel their cars. You're gonna have a Which shop front. You're gonna have a shop front. And what does the family think of all these planes sitting around? Uh, well, they don't sit for long. That's the thing. You sort of, you know, I price them to sell. You know, at the end of the day, I'm pricing them to make a to make a profit. I suppose at the end of the day, on some of them, but to also pay for the ones I want to keep. So, you know, if I'm if I'm paying for the one I I want which might have been 500 bucks as an example, and I've bought five other planes for another 500, 600 or whatever it may be, if I can sell them and get a 1000 bucks back, well, I've got my plane for nothing. So, yeah. you know, they, they just don't last. And that's the thing. Like planes are, if you present them right, it's like anything. It's like a house. You know, if you furnish it and garden it and, and paint and do all the right things with a house, it's the same thing with a plane. You know, if you present it right, if you – make it look good, you put a new spinner on it or you put a, a good prop on it, you put, you know, wheel covers and all that sort of stuff to make it look nice again and give it a really good clean and make sure it's all looking special, they sell quick. So they don't hang around, unfortunately. I'm always looking for more because they're just, they're, they literally, they, they come in and they go out. So how many hours a week would you be spending on, uh, on this pursuit? Uh, it just depends on what's around because it doesn't happen weekly, you know. Like, I mean, a lot of this stuff is people that I'm following up from a long time ago. So that's another part of it as well. A lot of people don't understand. I think, God, you know, you just – I'm ringing up people and, and, you know, hitting them and offering them half the money that they want and all this sort of stuff to try and get deals. It's not, it's not the case at all. You know, this is stuff that people have put up. They put up one plane. I've said, oh, you know, what else have you got? And they've said, oh, I've got 30 others, but I'm not ready to sell those yet. So I'll just keep the number and – and say, oh, do you mind if I call you, you know, in six months' time or something? And they don't care, you know. Like most of them are more than happy for me to call back. So, you know, I'll jog their memory and, and call back. So it's a lot of effort and work that on that side of things as well. Um, and then, you know, one day they'll just call and say, oh, yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready to sell everything. Um, and and that's, that's the sort of the day when you get a bit excited because that's when you're like, oh, cool, I can go and get all the cool stuff that I can't buy before. Yeah. Um, and that's... That's the effort that takes a long time, um, and it's it's building a relationship with. It's like same thing as same same as selling a house. You know, I'm building a relationship with someone that they feel enough trust that they can call me and say, yeah, "Come over and and come and get the rest." Is this something your dad taught you? Um, my dad taught me how to buy and sell, but I think my job taught me about building relationships and about follow up and and just sort of being the person to call when you need someone. Um, and I think one of the things that I learned when I, was, when I started selling houses was be someone's agent before they need one. And I think it's very, very similar when it comes to planes. You know, be someone or any collectible because, you know, I buy and sell antique toys and, and Petrolania and petrol bowsers and I restore all that sort of stuff as well. So it's a bit of, you know, if I'm meeting someone with a massive collection of stuff, you're trying to build a relationship to, so that they call you first. And it's 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 that type of relationship that you want, so that you don't get the phone call saying, "Oh, it's all gone. Sorry, I sold it to someone else." You, you, you want to make sure that they're calling you first. Um, it's sort of like getting in the door first, I suppose. Um, people say to me, "Oh, you know, I was chasing that plane, but you got in first. It's like, well, you know, I'm sitting in my office during the day, and I've got a free hour. I can jump in the car and go. 
where a lot of other guys are stuck at their job, they can't go, but I have that flexibility so I can get there quicker. So a lot of the time is that, you know, if I just say, bang, I'll take it or it's sold, if a good deal comes up, I'll just go and get it. So I think that's that's another big thing too is having that freedom to jump in the car, you know, at 10 o'clock in the morning and go for an hour drive to go and pick up something. Um, you know, the other week I was in uh, up in country Victoria at 9 o'clock at night picking up planes you know, in a dark, dusty, dirty road and pitch black. Yeah. You know, but, you know, I brought them home and I got home at midnight. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's you know, I was going to work the next day, but I was in the garage at 1am cleaning planes. <laughs> Gee, I tell you what, I'm so glad that I've had you on because you've really, you know, like you said, there'd be a lot of people speculating that you're sitting there and you're haggling and you're ripping people off and you're willing to deal with stuff like that. And I get but, it a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be the first perception people think, oh, Rowan's just wheeling and dealing kind of thing. But yep. when, when you break it down, it's just not that. It's not. It's it's, it's providing a service. And, and and they call me. A lot of the time they will call. Now, now I suppose I've got a bit of a name for buying stuff, I suppose. And it's and I get guys contacting me from New South Wales. There's a guy in Queensland who I refer big deals to up in Queensland. And a lot of guys know him, Jason Connolly. Um, and he's he's another level. He's... To me, he's way above me. He's <laughs> he's you know he's spending fifty, sixty grand on 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 big group lots and family lots and all. He's driving around trucks and you know that's his full time job. He loves it. Yeah, um, he loves doing it, and he's got some amazing stuff. Uh, and he comes across the best of the best. You know, I'm not I'm not that level. I'm nowhere near that level. I'm just bringing out stuff that you know that's in Victoria, that's local to me, relatively local that yeah. I can you know go and get and bringing it back, you know, like it's, it's, and it's guys that everyone knows. It's not as if you don't know half these people I'm buying stuff from because everyone knows it. When I say, oh, I've got this plane. So, oh, who'd you get that from? I got it from this guy. I know him. It's like, well, yeah, you've got him in your phone. When did you ring him last? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when did you talk to him? You know, it's like, he, you know, he found me and I went and hired a van. I went and cleaned out 30 planes from him because he's, he's struggling or he, he's, you can't fly anymore, but a lot of the guys sort of lose that relationships and those those connections. Well, you have got competition here in Melbourne. Do I have competition in Melbourne? You've got one guy, haven't you? Ah, oh, he's my cocky side. I don't know if you call it competition. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, yeah, yeah, there's a couple of guys that, that are trying. There's one guy in um, in Ballarat, I believe, or Bendigo, somewhere up that way, who's who's doing a little bit of stuff. Um, and there's yeah another guy fairly local to me. Who does a bit of stuff, um, but I suppose you know the, the the quality and volume that I'm doing, I suppose, is probably a little bit higher than them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's probably what I try and keep. I don't want to sell planes that need heaps of work and don't look don't look that nice. I try and keep them, you know, quality stuff and and good stuff. I, I won't buy rubbish, and that's the thing that I suppose is the big thing for me. The stuff I leave behind sometimes, or I'll just take it with me and I'll just bin it because it's just not good enough to sell. Yeah. So yeah, it's all that it's all that other work that all that other time, but you've got to have a passion for it because have to. Not only think you could make a, a, a living out of it. Do you think? <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> um, well, it depends with, what, with, what kind with of my other With my other collectibles, yes, uh, you could make everything out of it. Um, but you'd have to be, you'd have to have a van, you'd have to make it a full time gig, and you'd be on the road all the time. Um, but you need to know what, what people want. And that's hard. That, that's a hard thing to, to find. 
well, it's it's exactly like the television show American Pickers. You know, they'll go and go, yeah, there's not a lot of demand for that. It's, you know. Spot on. So, no. Okay, so how much flying time do you get in between all of this uh, buying and selling? Uh, well, this winter's been really bloody cold, so I haven't done a lot of it flying this winter. Everyone says this winter's been cold. It's actually it's was about been cold and miserable. It has not been. It's the the facts show that it, w- it was about one point something degree on average higher than previous winters. It was three degrees warmer on average in alpine areas. The ski <laughs> season was terrible. I can vouch for that. It's, it's just another Melbourne winter. My Sundays have been well spent buying and selling stuff. I think this <laughs> this, this this winter. Uh, look, there's some nice planes sitting in the garage, almost ready to go for for the spring and summer flying season. And I think you know, I think we're, I think Melbourne's almost becoming a bit like America. I mean, the states is very much. If you look on some of these American pages, flying pages, they're very much about the winters for getting your planes organised, and then your summer summers and springs for flying. I think we're we're almost getting to that stage in Melbourne. It's so bloody cold to stand at, stand out in the airfield for four hours and flying a flying a plane around. I think I'd rather be in a warm garage just fixing a couple of things and getting them right. I've been um I used to track all my flights using an app, and there'd always be then at the end of the year you'd look back and see how many flights you've done, how many hours you've flown, all that kind of stuff. And there was always like a two month break at least at a minimum right in the middle of winter because. You know, especially if you know I'm working during it's the freezing. winter. I don't. It's the it's either windy or wet or muddy on the ground, and I just can't be bothered going to a flying field standing out like freezing cold if it's if those kind of conditions. So I'll just wait for like now coming into springtime. I always say it's the the shepherd and mammoth event, which is coming up. Uh, Changes the seasons. Yeah, that's the that's the heralds the 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 spring season flying. Yep. October's a great time. November we see a lot of events. In this time period, then we have the Christmas break. Then we start to get hot, yep. and so I'm fussy. I don't like standing out in the stinking hot flying my little unless they're. Yeah, gliders. but when I'm flying, and you've probably noticed this, when I'm flying, I go there to fly. So I fly my plane yeah. ten times. Ten times when I'm there, I'm not there to chat. And look, it's nice to have a chat. Don't get me wrong, but if I'm going to fly, I'm going to fuel up, fly, fuel up, fly, and it just people were like, "How many flights are you going to have today?" So as many as I can fit in. Yeah, yeah, you know, because that's 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 that, that's the whole point I'm here. You know, I like to, to have some fun. And that's and that's one of the things when it comes to me is that I go to the club and if I'm going to fly, I'm going to fly 10 times or 15 times or whatever it may be yeah. because I want to get my flying time in while I'm there. Yeah, no, makes so sense. So I can do I can do a month's worth of flying in one Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Well, okay, so here we are. We've got to the final question, the question that everybody can't wait to hear the answer to, and I'm, it's going to be very interesting to see what the answer is to this one. And that is that is what has been your favourite model that you've owned? My favourite plane. Um, I think I commented on one of your posts. It was probably that DH two. Oh yeah, yeah. That I had. That was probably the nicest scale model I think I've ever bought. Um, that would have to be up there. Um, definitely when it comes to quality and just how beautiful it was. But there was also another post you put up of a Tiger Moth. And I put a post underneath of a Tiger Moth that I bought, which was a third scale scratch built thing. And I think that was probably probably my favorite plane that I've ever bought. Um, I never flew it. I should have kept it when I didn't keep it. I, I, I got it running. It had a Zenoa. 62 i think it was in it 
ran like a clock after I cleaned out the tank and replaced the fuel lines and tuned it and all sorts of stuff. It ran beautifully, but I just never flew it. And that's probably one I regret selling. And I probably and I probably should have kept because it was an absolutely beautiful thing. Yeah, should have kept um, it. I'm a big fan of Tiger Moth. It was museum quality and it was beautiful. It had everything that opened and shut. It had the, the best of the best um, covering on it. it, had the best paint job on it. It was just a beautiful thing. It? And that was yellow. And it was I bought it from Country Victoria and uh, I bought it with some really, really nice scale stuff. And it cost me the grand total, I think, with eight other scale planes of thirteen hundred bucks. That plane did, whole lot. did it have a metal tank or a top tank on the wing? Uh, it did yes, yep, all all metal, yep. Okay. It was from a kit. Yeah, I think it was I from know. A quite a big, quite a big model though. It's a big, big thing. Yep. Yeah, it's a. It was a, th- a third scale plane. It was a big plane. I reckon a yep. mate of mine's got one. Yeah, be- uh, there's one at our club. There's one down at our club. Really. Um, and yeah, you don't see many of them to that that scale and quality, and that's mm. one I I regret selling. I should have kept that. You're an idiot. <laughs> yes, I, the, the Tiger Moth's probably my favourite biplane. As a, as a it's a beautiful plane. thing. They're beautiful. They just yeah. look good in the air, and they look they look scale. Um, they do, so, and yeah. they fly beautifully. They are fun to fly. You can do whatever you want with them, pretty much, and they just look good. And especially when they're that size, they are just commanding in the sky. Yeah, that's probably what I probably my favourite. Well, Rowan, you've really yep. you, you've broken a few myths here. You know, this is gonna <laughs> people are gonna look at you in a new light now after they've worked so. how much work goes into this buying and selling of these model planes, and you know how environmentally friendly you are. The Woke Brigade are gonna love you. Oh, I don't know if it's environmentally friendly, but I do try and. And I suppose the biggest thing for me is just bringing back stuff that people haven't seen for a long time, and just getting stuff that's rotting away that you think, why is something like this so nice sitting in a garage that hasn't been flown for 20 years where it could be in someone's collection being flown weekly? Like it just, that's the stuff you sort of think, you know, it should be back out there. Yeah, it's true. Because there's some beautiful stuff around in garages that just doesn't get seen anymore. Well, I can vouch for that. Every time I see Rowan, he's always got a big smile on his face and he's the happiest person (laughs) in the field. So, Rowan Cleary, thank you for joining me. Yep. Thank you for having me. Another episode of the Flat Out RC podcast done and dusted and what an episode it has been. A big thank you to Rowan Cleary for telling us all about the ins and outs of buying and selling model aircraft. And it's amazing the work that he's doing. Like, you can tell that he's a sincere guy that... Um, he loves he loves finding these models. He loves getting them ready for sale, and then he likes to to you know, pass them on to new owners and see these planes uh, flying. And if you, you ever see any ads for his models, you you'll know that he doesn't charge a lot for, for the planes. He's very reasonably priced as well. So, and, and you know, if you amortise the the profit that he makes from the model versus the time that he had to spend, he's probably better off not doing it. But he loves doing it, so that is good for us all. So well done, Rowan, and um, keep up the good work. Uh, get a Southern Sail Plains Ricochet, send it my way. Just give me a call. Number, number. Anyway, uh, look, hope to see you at the Shepherd and Mammoth this weekend. If you listen to this after this weekend, you missed out another great event. Uh, get on down to your local events. Big fan of them. Um, support your local clubs. Get out flying. If you're here in Australia, springtime is here. The weather is warming up. We are in peak flying time now. 
get out there. I hope to be out there very shortly. Have fun. Talk to you soon. A classic cliche, we're on the run. This is what we waited for.